Before we go to the next part of the Febringen, in between the Sichas, Rebbe mentioned something. He said that the previous Rebbe was in an area that was very um, Hasidically challenged. Um, the Friedrich Rebbe uh, spoke to the Jews there about learning Hasidus, and one gentleman who uh, became very excited about learning Hasidus, um, he started to also daven with a lot of concentration. He started to do what Hasidus says when you when you say Shema. You're supposed to think about when you say Shema that you're ready to give your life for Hashem. So he was very uh, proud to report to the previous Rebbe that he not only um, uh, um, you know learned Hasidus, but he actually is doing it in his Aveda. He's He's making an effort to serve Hashem on a higher level, and he has meditated about sacrifice for a full minute. So the Rebbe um, points out that the guy is thinking about sacrifice and total devotion, going beyond limitations, but at the very same time, he has a clock there, and he's measuring how much he's being devoted to Hashem. So in a similar way, the Rebbe says people are sitting here, and they're singing songs, but while they're singing the songs, they're making sure their tie is in the right place. And they're trying to figure out, how excited should I be while I sing this song? They're looking around them, at other people around them, thinking, the people around me, you know, does this, this, this fit? Are we, am, I, am I fitting in? So, Ebbe said a couple of things to a few people that, and between the sikhs. He said, told one person, go out of all limitations. Another person, Ebbe told, told him to say lachayim on a big cup of uh, mashka. And Ebbe said, when you make Kiddush in general, uh, and especially Kiddush Rabbah, and especially by a febrengan of Jews who are going the path of Baal Shem Tev. Baal Shem Tev said, said you have to serve Hashem with joy. As it says in the Torah, serve God with joy. And since joy breaks all boundaries, so uh, there shouldn't be any limitations. And shouldn't reckon with what the doctor says. Don't try this at home, folks. That's what the Rebbe told this individual at the time. Uh, to one person, the Rebbe said, you should say, make l'chaim. When the Friedrich Rebbe came to America, this Jew visited the Friedrich Rebbe, and he asked the Friedrich Rebbe, sorry, the Friedrich Rebbe asked him, what do you do? So he said, I make a, I make a life. That's a Yiddish uh, expression in America. So I make my life, I'm, I'm, I have a parnas, in other words. So the previous Rebbe responded, life God makes. A Jew has to just receive what God gives. And so too, it's, it's uh, instead of just, um, the, the correct language should be, not make a lechaim, the Rebbe didn't say make l'chaim. Someone said make l'chaim. The Rebbe said the correct language should be say l'chaim. Um, one non-Jew asked Rabbi Shuman Karcha, he says, you guys have holidays? We have holidays. Uh, you guys are joyful. At the time that you guys are joyful, we're not joyful. At the time that we're joyful, you're not joyful. And when are we both joyful, said this non-Jew to Rabbi Shuman Karcha, when the rain comes down. So the Rebbe said, by a yard site, there are different customs. By Il Misha, they have a custom to fast. And they're generally more, more, uh, more serious and, they, and sad and they have a yard site. By Pelosh HaChassidim, they even say Tachn. By us, by Chassidim Chabad, we don't fast, but we say Tachn. So the Rebbe said, I once asked the previous Rebbe, how come we say Tachn? on a yard site. And the previous Rebbe responded that when is there a better time to say Tachon than on a yard site? And when is there a better time to ask Hashem for things? But there is a day that we all rejoice 
And that, the Rebbe says, is when the yard set falls out on Shabbos. Then nobody fasts and nobody says Tachem. So I was comparing this to the conversation Shem Korchad had with this non-Jew. Okay, let's continue now on page 116. It says in the parasha, be careful lest you forget about Hashem, lest your heart become haughty and you uh, forget about Hashem. The smag said, I originally did not want to include this as one of the 365 negative commandments. In the smag sefer, he lists all the 365 negative commandments. He said, this one wasn't going to make it in. And he continues, and he says, Maimonides didn't put it in either. And the sefer of the smag of Ramesha Kumikutsi is based on the Rambam. And therefore, he was following what the Rambam did. And when I got up to the end of the 365 negative commandments, I got up to the last one, I had a vision in a dream. God revealed himself to Rabbi Meshim in a dream. And, and Hashem so told him, you forgot the main thing. The main thing is, Be careful lest you forget about Hashem. And I thought about it in the morning, I realized this is a very fundamental thing. This actually deserves to be there. And therefore the smag did include it in the 365. Ah, oh, how are you? He included in the 365 negative commandments that you should not be, you should not, not have arrogance. So, so in general, uh, coffee is the same price, front row seats, back row seats, it's all the same price. So, so the, um, the, the smag lists in the 365 commandments, one of the, one of the things mentioned in the Torah portion, which is not to be arrogant, not to forget about Hashem. And he differs, he, he veers from the opinion of Maimonides, and Maimonides does not include that, so... In, the one thing he changes in the Maimonides is this, he adds this in, he adds in, don't forget about Hashem as one of the 365 negative commandments. In order to do that, he has to erase, he has to delete one of the 365 to make it all fit to be, because the Talmud says there are the 365 negative commandments. The Talmud says that clearly, so you can't argue about the number. So it says corresponding to 365 days of the solar year, there are 365 um, negative commandments corresponding to the 365 uh, sinews. So he has that 365. So how does he do that? He takes out one he, and he puts in this thing, don't forget about Hashem. So how does he figure this out? He gets this, figures this out because of a vision. Because God comes to him in a vision before he finishes his book and he says to him, you have to, you have to, you know, you forgot a big thing. So first of all, the question is, the Torah says uh, about itself, the Torah is not in heaven. Torah is not in heaven. So if Torah is not in heaven, so then, um, um, I think I think Jacob is way too polite to take a coffee by himself. Want to help him out? Okay. Yeah. Okay. One another one. Okay. So, so um, the the rule is you not you don't listen to a, a voice from heaven. If there is a discussion among rabbis, and one of them says, "Oh, I heard a voice from heaven," he's he's uh, he's no longer part of the uh, in the running of making having an opinion. You don't you don't you don't make opinions based upon. What you heard from God, the Torah says that it's, the Torah is not in heaven. You don't rely on voices from heaven. You don't rely on prophecy. There are many di- different instances in the Talmud where um, God Himself said something, and the sages said, 
Okay, it's nice you have this opinion, but we disagree. And the reason for that is because uh, God gave the Torah to make this world a home for him. And therefore, the system of Torah is also built in a way that Hashem wants human beings to decipher the Torah. It doesn't mean that we're left our own devices in deciphering, and each person deciphering it however they want, but it's similar, as we discussed earlier this week, like the manna bread. The manna bread tasted according to however you wanted it to taste. In a similar way, the Torah has many tastes that it can be according to the rules of Torah. You can't make up your own. So, um, so the question is, the, this, this uh, statement of the smag, I made this, in, I put this into the 365 negative commandments because I heard a voice from God. That's against all the rules. You don't make statements because God said so. The Rebbe mentioned in this uh, in the, a famous story of the Tzemach Tzedek. In the time of Tzemach Tzedek, there was a Jew who um, uh, his, he used to have, uh, used to correspond with Tzemach Tzedek, asking questions, answers. And his main talent was asking questions, not so much giving explanation. So, so he, he used to say about himself that when he comes to heaven, they're going to say to him, do you study Torah? It's one of the questions they ask you in heaven, do you study Torah? They'll say, yeah, I study Torah. So they'll say to him, okay, so say some of your Torah insights that you discover, your, your own insight. Let's hear what, what you're from, from, from your Torah study. So the guy said, I'm going to respond to God when he asks me for, for an insight. I'll say, God, you say something and I'll, and I'll disprove you. I'll, I'll, I'll prove you wrong. So, um, so, so the, the, how, can, how can this smog say that he made this uh, decision based upon a voice, based upon a dream he had, there is a rule you do not make decisions based upon heavenly voices. And the answer is, he continues on in his writing and he says, and I woke up in the morning and I thought about it. He didn't just say, he didn't just say that uh, this was a good idea, that God told me, is I thought about it in the morning. That means it was something that he was able to ratify intellectually. So that, there's no rules about that. If Hashem tells you an insight, then it makes, makes, then it makes sense to you then that, that, that can be included as a halachic uh, 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 idea. If it's only a message from God, but you haven't um, integrated it into what you think, then indeed you can't count it as a halachic, there's no halachic validity. But if it makes what sense... What that, uh, that story, something also the Gemara, where like they knew he was right, but the voice came out and said, you're wrong, and made no sense to them, but they had to go with it because of this... The, the way the story actually goes, if you're talking about the same story, is that they uh, they they said we're not listening to the voice of heaven. Uh, um, there was one instance where the, the sages, an opposite event happened, where there was this question about whether we should rule like Beishamah or Beisilo. And the general rule in the Torah is you always go by the majority. So they said we should go like Beisilo, he's the majority, that's the rule of Torah. But, in, but they were very... Um, disturbed by making that ruling, which affects thousands of laws of the Torah, they're disturbed because... Morning, Avi. Morning. They were disturbed because Beishame was clearly a lot smarter than Beishilo. And since they were a lot smarter than Beishilo, so they felt like it was wrong to rule like Beishilo, even though, even though that was the rule, but they felt the rule should have an exception because Beishame was smarter. So a voice then came out from heaven to ratify what they had understood before. And, that it was, and the voice said, the voice that the halacha is like Beis Hillel, because Beis Hillel has more, um, uh, they're more devoted to Hashem, they're more 
um, humble, uh, that's why they're able to be in sync with the halacha of, that Hashem really wants us to do. So though they aren't as smart, the Shammai is smarter, and Mashiach will come, the sages of Israel will be smarter, and they're going to all adapt, uh, adopt the opinion of Beishamai. So, so uh, in that instance where there was already a logical uh, halachic ruling, so that heavenly voice ratified the ruling. But in general, you can't. So in the case of the smag, it was the opposite. He first heard the voice from heaven, and then he was able, and then he thought about it, and it made sense then. So the question though is the opposite though. Maimonides doesn't include this. The question is why does Maimonides include this? The smag, okay, he says this is important. Don't forget about Hashem. That's one in three hundred sixty-five commandments. That's a biggie. Don't. So the question now is, if it's such a biggie and God told us to the smag, you have to, to put this in, how come according to the, to the Rambam, it's not. It's counted as one of the three or 65 commandments. So here, that's, that's a big one. Don't forget about Hashem. So, I don't know what this means physically. I don't know what the physical phenomena of this is, but the Talmud says that Hashem made the world in a way that the northern, that there's, it's open on one side. That's the words of the Talmud. And the reason why Hashem made the world to be unfinished, that there's some things in the world which aren't finished, such as the northern side of the world, whatever that means, Chalmar um, is thinking about the 101, and like it's so far away, and we we, we closer. Anyways, no, you don't, you don't care about the valley anymore. Anyway, so, so Hashem made the world in a way that the nor, there's something unfinished about the world, whatever that means. And the reason Hashem made the world in a way that's unfinished was because if Hashem wanted to give the following message to mankind, if someone will one day arise and say, I am the Lord, so we will tell him, oh, if you're the Lord, can you please con- finish up what God started? So Hashem made the world in a way that the world has deficiencies in order to, to, that the world should point to a higher power. It, it should be noticeable that there is something otherworldly about the world and that we should, we should realize that the world relies on Hashem. A similar thing in regards to the laws of, um, on Shabbos, the law is that if a if you make a big city to become a private domain, there are halachic mechanisms to transform a city into a private domain so that you'll be able to carry outside. Halacha says make some, at least one part of the city um, outside of that domain. You, you put up these strings and you put up these walls and therefore the city is now considered a private domain. Make at least one part of the city uh, which does not have that so that people will remember the such a law. If the whole entire city is completely uh, with an Erev, I won't forget the Erev. Therefore, at least, at least make one part to not have an Erev. Similar thing Hashem made with intelligence, the Rebbe says. Hashem made the human mind in a way that the mind itself says are things beyond logic. Where are we all going with all this? The, the, the point we're saying is, is that there are some things in the revealed parts of Terah that cannot be understood at the inner dimension of Terah. Hashem made the Torah in a way that it forces you to recognize that there's something deeper in Terah. You can't understand Torah, some things in Torah, without going into the inner dimension of Torah. So this question that we have, how come Maimonides didn't include forgetting God as one of the 365 commandments, he didn't include it because uh, the, the, to explain this, we have to learn Exodus. There's no way to explain this in, on, 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 from a standpoint of halacha, from a standpoint of the exoteric parts of Torah. To answer this question, this question will only be satisfied by looking deeper. You're, you're saying that the Rambam codifies his safer. And then Smog comes. I, I don't know, like, timeline wise. Is he like. It's way after. Like, 500 years after? He's, he's, he's one of the Rishayim. So he's one of the Rishayim. Yeah. He can't be that far. 
I I don't I don't remember. I'm pretty sure it's one they're saying. So he he comes and maybe I don't know. Okay, whatever. So so he says. I, he made a safer about the mitzvahs, and he generally follows the Rambam's opinion, but he says, this thing i got to disagree with him because I have this experience. But our, our struggle here is that we feel that Rambam... Should have agreed with him. Should, well, should have included it. Right. Should have included it, and he didn't. Right. He didn't include it, but, and you're saying that there's no logical way... Not no logical. Right. No nigla way. There's no way to explain it according to nigla. You have to use chassidus to explain it. So, like, it's not, like, it's not, like, wedged in there. It's, like, like thematically, or, like, there's some way that, like, you could... Based on the way that like the Rambam structures his mitzvahs, you you can't like pull it out. Or are we saying like shot nigla? Like it's because it's not written on the wall exactly there. That according to the system, it would seem to be included, but yet it's not. The question is why. So but it's not included like in the beginning of, of it, like in a what number mitzvah is it? Should it have been? Well, the smog, I'm not sure what number the smog puts it in, but he said, I was about to finish, I was up to the end, and then that's why I had this dream, so I'm not sure. Well, I mean, I, yeah, the Ramam, uh, the way he lists it in the um, intro to the, uh, he lists it in the order of the Torah. So um, this is pretty far down there because it's in the, um, in Parsha Zeke, uh, but I don't think it's the last mitzvah. I don't know. Um, so to explain what's going on, we have to look at the teaching of the Baal Shem Tev. Baal Shem Tev says you should be careful Lest you forget about Hashem and become, and your heart will be raised, which means another way of saying you'll become arrogant. So it connects forgetting Hashem to being arrogant. So the Shantav asks: the main point of the Torah is uh, not to forget about Hashem, and keeping Torah involves remembering Hashem, and not keeping Torah means is the opposite of keeping Torah is forgetting about Hashem. So being arrogant is a result of, uh, of forgetting about Hashem. But the Torah doesn't phrase it that way. The Torah says that um, be careful that you may forget about Hashem and then become arrogant. So it, it, instead of saying, instead of the way, it, it, the, way the, <coughs> the Malshantav understands, which is <coughs> first um, for... for the, the natural thing would be to say that you um, you become arrogant and then you forget about Hashem. The Pasuk says the opposite. First you forget about Hashem and then you become arrogant. That means what causes your arrogance is forgetting about Hashem. So, so what does that mean? So the Rambam mentions, I mean, the Baal Shem Tev mentions, understand this, you have to look into the, um, the teachings of the Rambam. I always quote the story incorrectly. I'm happy to find the source of the story over here. The, there was a country that sent the Rambam a question. The question was, they said that, um, they, they, they sent the Rambam a question. They said, where did it say in the Torah that the dead will come alive again. And they said to the Rambam that we've learned the Talmud, and the Talmud has many proofs, but the Talmud's proofs aren't so strong. They could be disproved. We disagree with them. And uh, tell us if you really have, you know, if there's really a, a, um, a proof to this fact, that, that, that this, this idea of the resurrection of the dead. 
So the Rambam didn't want to respond to them, and he asked instead his student, Marie Evan Tabun, who translated the Rambam, to write an answer. And what he answered was that the human mind is created by blood, and blood is created by the food that you eat. And the food that you eat affects the way, the blood that you have and the way you think. So he says to them that apparently you guys ate something which wasn't kosher, uh, because if you have such a doubt, uh, watch out, basically. You, you watch out, this must have been you're not eating kosher, and therefore this is what, what, what's happening to your minds. And, um, and he warns them that, that, that bitter will be your end, and, and then the Barshanov continues and said that's, that's what actually happened to them. Um, uh, but uh, met, there were a few of them that, that, that escaped, and they came to the Rambam, and they, and they did shuvah. So that's the, that's the story. So, so what did he say to them? He said to them that the reason you have this question is because of what you're eating. There was actually another person I know um, that, that, that Rebbe told, uh, he was asking, he, had, he felt like he had all kinds of, of unhealthy urges that he, were, were unbecoming to who he was. And Rebbe said to him, pay attention to what you're eating. So not just what we think, but also what we feel, and a lot to what we, what we eat. So the mind can be blinded by eating non-kosher food. Not, not, not only non-kosher food, but even eating kosher food, but just focusing on the physical pleasure of it could also cause a person to, um, to lose sight of, uh, of, 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 of the truth. So, so is this with arrogance, that uh, arrogance is something that is caused by forgetting about Hashem. There is a, a, uh, um, a, a different kind of disconnect that is much worse that unfortunately happens through arrogance than forgetting about Hashem. What, what's forgetting about Hashem? Mean? It says in, in the, um, the Hasidus that in the time of Golas, we tell Hashem, remember Hashem what happened to us. We tell Hashem, remember your community that you acquired. Golas is the opposite. Golas is, so to speak, Hashem forgets about us. Why does Hashem forget about us? So the Balshantav says, God is called, it says in the Torah in, in Psalm 121, Hashem is your shadow. So Baal says, just like your shadow follows every movement, so too God follows our movements. So when we forget about Hashem, so then it, it appears that Hashem forgets about us. So when we tell Hashem in the Haftorah, this Shabbos, we say to, say to Hashem, Hashem, you have forgotten me. And we say, Hashem, remember what happened to us. God responds to us and says to us, my people, remember me. In other words, you're asking me to remember you. I'm forgetting you because you've forgotten me. So where does our forgetting of Hashem, what's, what happens because we forget about Hashem? Because we forget about Hashem, something else happens. What happens? We get arrogant. What's the extra um, step of becoming arrogant? So it says in the Torah, sometimes the Torah uses a double expression. Uh, and the simple meaning why Torah uses a def, that's a double expression is because of prose. So it's, it's a prose, but everything in Torah has deeper meaning. So, for example, it says in the Torah, hide shall I hide from you. And the Baal Shantav explains, hide shall I hide means that sometimes a person hides from a person and, the, and you don't even realize that you're in a state of darkness. You're so used to uh, things being... Um, the way they are, and you don't feel that Hashem, Hashem's hand in your life, so you feel like, oh, this is just the way it is. Hashem is not really part of my life. 
It's like getting used to the dark. Getting used to the dark, you think the dark is light. So in a similar way, it says in the Pasuk, be careful lest you forget shall you forget about Hashem. So Mzit Magnus says, when a person forgets about Hashem, there's a reason for it. The reason you forget about Hashem is because Hashem wants you to, to, to Hashem wants something better to happen. You forgot about Hashem, then that's supposed to inspire you to do a higher level of teshuva, to return to Hashem. Something's better supposed to happen. But forget shall you forget about Hashem means you forgot why you forgot about Hashem. Not just you forgot about Hashem. Everybody, Freeman puts it this way. He says, he says if, if you just forget about your sins, your sins were a waste. They happen for a reason. The purpose that they happened was so that you should have a deeper relationship with Hashem. So if you forget why you forgot, so then you're, you're, you're way off. The whole reason Hashem tests us is to bring us to a deeper place. So we have to remember why God caused us to forget about Him. So when a person forgets why God's, God caused him to forget about Hashem, that means he's, complete, he's cut off completely. Similar thing it says about arrogance. Arrogance is the greatest distance, so to speak, from Hashem. It says about arrogance in Kabbalah that arrogance blemishes the two first letters of God's name. Arrogance blemishes a very uh, lofty uh, light of godliness. It says in the Talmud, God says about any person who has arrogance, I can't be around that person. It means other sins, God says, I dwell with you in your impurity. You're impure, I'm still hanging around with you. But regarding arrogance, God says, I can't be around you. Why? Because arrogance is the greatest um, distance from Hashem. It's the greatest, it's, it's the ultimate forgetting about Hashem. And that's why the Ram doesn't include it. The Ram doesn't include it because arrogance is not like other sins. Arrogance means to forget about Hashem completely. And that's why it's included, according to the Rambam, in another commandment. Which commandment? It's included in the commandment of idol worship. According to the Rambam, it's not that he doesn't include arrogance. He includes arrogance. Where is arrogance? Arrogance is included in the, in the commandment of idol worship. So, um, so that's the so, so the basic point that I'm saying is that um, I think that the Rambam is not saying that arrogance is not as important as the smog. He's saying, oh, arrogance not, isn't so bad. On the contrary, according to the Rambam, why doesn't he include arrogance as one in three hundred sixty-five? Because the Rambam says that's what idolatry is. Idolatry means that you for, that, that you completely forget about Hashem, and to the point. How far have you forgotten about Hashem to the point that that that, that, you, that you think that it's it's all me, and um, and, we, and and that the mitzvah therefore conversely is to always remember Hashem and to remember that that that's it's it's it does make you weaker by the way when you feel the Abish is with you and he and he's the one makes makes you makes you do things it does make makes makes you feel stronger you feel you're not alone you feel someone's holding your hand l'chaim l'chaim l'vracha any questions comments okay.